Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This is the Grit and Barrett Podcast, a podcast devoted to the 11-time Carter Cup champion, the Hershey Bears. We talk Hershey Bears, the American Hockey League, and all the hockey news that matters to me. This is high energy, unfiltered, and at times unfocused hockey talk from a hack. And now, on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grit and Barrett podcast, everyone. Yes, this is our first episode here on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. But as the NHL season is wrapping up, or has wrapped up by the time you're listening to this, I'm just going to take an extra week to get some thoughts in order, get some news ready, and get some things ironed out. In the meantime, enjoy this very special presentation of my interview with cousin John Walton, cousin in name only, all the way back on June 11th. This was recorded on June 11th. So enjoy the podcast, Bears fans. Now, apologies in advance. The audio is a little high. I am still working on it. My apologies. But to everyone out there, enjoy the show. And here's Gianni. Hello, and every, everyone, and welcome to the Grit and Barrett podcast here on the Hawk. And today is a show that I am, quite frankly, very excited to do. A very special guest here for all of you Bears fans, because it's a voice that all of you are going to be very, very familiar with. He is the current uh, play-by-play man for your Washington Capitals, but he's number one in your ears and your hearts. I'm talking about a man who has manned the booth. Up at Giant Center for many years, but now he's up in the upper regions of the Capital One Arena. I'm talking about none other than John Walton, voice of the Capitals and voice of the Bears. John, thank you so much for coming on here on the Grits and Barrett podcast. Very honored. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here, Rich. Thanks for having me, and always good to talk with folks above the Mason-Dixon line. It's been a long time, but looking (laughs) forward to it. Good to see you. Oh my gosh, the the man who has voice echoed on so many radios here in the mid-state on this podcast, just, you know, I want to say right off the bat that, that like, what, that I really enjoy your style of how you call not just Bears games, but capitals and hockey in general like i call my friend like when i talk to my friends i say cousin john walton in a way not literally because like when you're calling a game it always feels like we're sitting on a couch watching a game instead of you um calling a game if that makes sense is that the style of broadcasting you tend you tend to do Yeah, I mean, I guess that's as good a compliment as you can get if you feel that the radio medium has a 
personal relationship to it. And I think that's why even in Hershey, you know, whether it was me or Dave Mishkin and Dan Kamal before me or uh, Scott Stuccio and, and Zach Fish after me, and you are the one guy that is the tie to Hershey Bears hockey. And it's a little different at the NHL level because you've got the TV guys here like Joe Beninati and Craig Lachlan. You've got the national TV people to do it. But radio, by definition, is a pretty intimate medium where, you know, we're in your ears, we're in your car, we're on your smart device or whatever it may be. And, you know, there's, I think, that relatability, and and I hope for folks who followed me in Hershey and hopefully continue to do so here in Washington, that, you know, that's who I am. It's not just the X's and O's of the game, but it's the description by how I see the game. And, you know, be able to tell people not only what's going on in the 60 minutes and three periods, but also be able to interject personality within it. I think that's what we all try to do. And we all do it in our own way. We've all had our influences and in how we came to be who we are as a broadcaster. But, you know, for me, I did a lot of uh, growing my game in Hershey too, not just the guys who ended up playing with the Capitals or other NHL teams. Uh, you know, I came to Hershey in 2002 and nobody knew who I was. So I was following a guy that left for Tampa Bay and, you know, you've got to make your own mark. And, you know, I hope that I did. I hope people think that I did and uh, hopefully they enjoyed what they heard. Very much so, because like we were talking before we started recording, when I brought up that I was bringing you on just compliment after compliment of Bears fans, he's the best. I remember hearing him dot, dot, dot. And um, so you you traveled a lot on the bus and some flights around the American Hockey League. So what – so uh, what – sorry. What, what, what was one of your favorite arena, AHL arenas to – to uh to call a game from like i i have my opinion my current favorites um but what was a place you always enjoyed going to like circled the calendar in a way well let's get out of the way first and foremost the best rink in the ahl and it's not even close is hershey dang Uh, giant center is i'm amazed i i've been back a, a few times and every time i come back i was there when the building opened i my office was in hershey park arena for all of four days and <laughs> then we moved across the parking lot and i am amazed by the ability of the building staff at hershey entertainment and resorts to maintain that facility it looks like it opened yesterday it, lo- it looks like it's been open maybe a year uh, the fact that it's been now more than 20 years is just amazing to me but uh, to your question i circled portland whenever that came up even though that was an eight-hour bus ride and i still remember <laughs> how long they all were and that was a long one for sure but that was a city and arena that i truly enjoyed dave ollers who was the broadcaster there for a lot of the time when I was in Hershey uh, when they were a Capitals affiliate there for even a few years because before it was in Hershey and for those who you know, may have forgotten it's been a long time now back to 2005 but the Caps were in Portland before that and a lot of the guys who came up in the early Ovechkin era also played in Portland too uh, just a terrific place to go and very, you know, it's a shame they're not in the AHL anymore. That's one that I, I really uh, always enjoyed. Norfolk's another for that matter. Uh, you know, the building was older, 
but it was always a fun trip and a fun city to go to. Uh, you know, we we did cross the border a little bit in my day. We did go to Toronto, but for the most part, you know, it was the I-81 corridor. It was Syracuse <laughs> and Bingo and Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. And, you know, as much as Wilkes-Barre fans, I don't think cared for me too much. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed going to that building because, you know, at the time, and I know it's a little different now, but, I mean, it was a sellout every night, and they were intense, and they always seemed to – be there on a Friday night and it was, you know, really good atmosphere for hockey. And it was, you know, I, I enjoyed that rivalry as much probably as I did anything else. And, uh, you know, it was uh, thankful during my time that the bears always seemed to come out on top. You seem to catch a uh, Wilkes-Barre during peak Wilkes-Barre. Um, I've been up there more, more recently. Um, did you have to broadcast from like a small card table at like the 100 section? Was that still? Absolutely. Yep, that's yes. still there. <laughs> that, that That's still down there. Zach, you know, we go to say hi to him during the game, and it's like a small card table set up. It's the most accessible one um, out of all the ones. Um, you know, like you said, unfortunately, a few teams that you named is not there anymore. The ones that we don't like there anymore is, unfortunately, Binghamton, who's now in the Federal Hockey League now. Um, so... Let's also go to some calls. Like, what calls, I mean, besides probably Game 6 in 2010, what calls really stand out in your mind, and uh, why is it Eric Fair in Game 7 against Portland? <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it's funny. Uh, and and Fairzy and I kind of went in and out there where I would see him a lot, first when he was here, then he left, then he came back, and then I would see him around the league. And I don't know there was ever a time that I didn't see him and we didn't talk about that. So I think that was probably and, – and it's really kind of fun for me to think back now because you know I started in Cincinnati in the AHL where – we never won a playoff game, let alone a playoff series. We only went once. And when I first came to Hershey, my first year we got in, but we lost in the first round of Chicago. Second year, the Bears missed. Third year I was there, the Bears missed. Uh, the affiliation with Colorado had ended. So I was a good six years into my AHL career, and I had never even been with a team that had won a playoff series. So for me, 05-06 was the beginning of – just an incredible run that continued for me all the way to 2018 uh, where I got to do four finals in five years, mm -hmm. three cups, three yep. rings. Uh, ultimately, uh, the big one, of course, with Washington in 2018 and getting to call a winner here and all of the incredible summer memories that came from that. But <laughs> 2006 was special because I'd never done it before. That was really my first time uh, you know, whether from, from Norfolk to Wilkes-Barre to Portland to Milwaukee, where I mean, that was that was new to me. And, you know, to be able to in that series and just the, that series to me was everything in that year because Portland was almost uh, almost kept. I mean, they had the Capitals, of course, and there was a, a last minute swap. The Bears were really close to becoming an affiliate of the Anaheim Ducks, believe it or not. Really? In 2005. And wow. About a month before that, uh, I, I thought in March of 2005 that we would be uh, affiliates of the Anaheim Ducks. They had a very thick pipeline at the time Dustin Penner, Corey Perry Ryan Getzlaff, all who played in Portland that year uh, there was some 
uh, last-minute negotiations between Dave Andrews, the American Hockey League, Doug Yinks, who was the president GM of the Bears, and the Capitals, and George McPhee at the time. And the, the Capitals wanted to get in the Hershey business, and Portland did too, but uh, her, Washington, the years didn't match up because Washington still had a year left on their Portland deal. They had to get out early if they wanted to come to Hershey, and they did. Thankfully for me, because that opened the door that I had no idea how good life was about to get, both in that first five years and then, of course, coming here. But uh, that was uh, an interesting dynamic when you had in the third round the team that could have been the Bears with those guys and then the team that was the Bears and all of the Mike Greens and, and Jakob Chudas and the, and the like and all the guys who were, uh, you know, Washington guys, Dave Steckel and, and so forth. So. That was intriguing, at least from a behind-the-scenes standpoint, is this, hey, this could have been our team on the other side. And it wasn't, and it was for the best. Uh, but the series was great, going in a strange 2-2-2-1 format because the circus was still a thing in Hershey at that time. And there was a week between Game 6 and 7. So in losing Game 6 in Portland, you had a week before you play Game 7 and you get it back in Hershey, but... In the meantime, Penner, Perry, and Getzlaff all got assigned to Portland because they had been eliminated by Edmonton in the 06 playoffs. So it looked bad. I mean, it looked really bad. That's a really long answer to your question. Uh, There were two, actually, and they both were, I think, in the same game. I mean, the Mm -hmm. games that you have, uh, you know, in winning the Cup in Milwaukee, it was 3-0 10 minutes in against Pecorine, and it was Mm -hmm. over. Kind of the same thing against Corey Schneider in 9 too, and then a 4 nothing win to win it against Texas. So the championship games on my watch didn't have a lot of drama, which was fun because you just got to soak in the moment. Not really in much, There wasn't much tension in any of those. There was all sorts of tension in Game 7 against Portland, uh, where it looked like this dream season was ending. Portland had the lead. Uh, Penner had a couple of goals. Uh, and Graham Mink scoring uh, to tie the game uh, with about two minutes to go. Uh, I, I'm about 6'2". I jumped up to about seven feet when, uh, when that one went in because it looked like it was all over. Uh, and it looked like they were going to lose at home in a game seven. It was going to be too much. And then you go to overtime and you got 15 minutes to think about what's going to happen. It's like you get, another, you get one more goal, you're going to the Calder Cup final. And if you don't, then you're no better off than you were 20 minutes ago. So uh, that moment, Ryan, Ryan gets laughing at a post about three minutes in against Freddie Cassivi that I thought was going in and I thought it was over. And then I remember Eric Fair just gliding up the ice and he just let it rip. Uh, I remember seeing Mitch Lamoureux standing. He was standing in the tunnel and I just happened to see him because Mitch doesn't have a whole lot of vertical ups, but he jumped pretty high in behind the, the glass. And I, I remember seeing him and everybody in the building jumping up when that goal went in. And I just I couldn't believe for someone who never even called a playoff series, now we were going to the final. And uh, that was a fun memory. That was my first really fun, I can't believe this is happening moment. I've been really lucky, Rich, because I've mm-hmm. had a bunch of them. But that was my first one was Portland Game 7. Graham Mink to do it, to get you into OT, and then to Eric Fair to win it. It's it, That's always the moment that, staring, that stands out with, with Bears fans. Like, it's always, like, 60% of the fan base is Eric Fair Game 7 because so many people were there. Um, 
me personally, two of my favorite calls with you. Um, one was, it was actually Texas Hershey Game 5, Alexander Giroux in overtime. And, and I, I remember hearing your call like later. I, I was at the Giant Center watch party going nuts with everybody when Giroux scored. It looked like only two people knew that he scored, Giroux and I think Andrew Gordon behind the net because he knew it went in. Um, but you, when you were yelling, he scores, it sounds like you brushed the mic or you knocked your microphone a little bit, I, I think. It, it, but it's like... And but it's like that. That's the excitement that comes through. You get so excited in an overtime victory that maybe you knock a chair or you bump your microphone or something. It's just the excitement of that. That's just a call that's always stuck out in in my mind. Yeah, that was a fun one. I, I don't recall. It certainly could have <laughs> happened, I suppose. But uh, that series was very strange in that after winning sixty games in the regular season and sweeping through the first three rounds really quickly. Uh, suddenly losing the first two at home. Uh, the Bears are still the only team in AHL history to lose the first two at home in a best of seven in the final and come back to win. And if there was a team that was going to do it, it was going to be that one. Uh, Brian Helmer, I, I still remember there weren't a lot of media. Greg Mace was there. I was there. Uh, Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Tim Leone, but I, there, there weren't a lot of media folks uh, around Texas. But I remember in and around the morning skate, Brian Helmer threw everybody out. Coaches, broadcasters, all of us, uh, trainers. He said they had a players-only meeting on what he needed to see happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly what was said, but I know it was loud because I could hear it through a steel door that was about <laughs> inch and a half thick, I guess. And they had a rough first period in game three, but they did come back and win that. And you just kind of had to feel once they took command in game four, they had them where they wanted them over time in game five, as you said. And and then the all-defenseman game, Carlson, Alsner, mm-hmm. and Patty you know, twice to uh, win 4 nothing in game in uh, game, se- or game seven, mm-hmm. uh, game six, excuse me. Yep. Uh, and that was, you know, without a doubt, uh, you know, it was it was great to be able to do it uh, anywhere, Milwaukee in 06. It was neat to do one in Canada, Frank Mather's hometown in Winnipeg in 09. But I, to me, 2010, you know, I, I was there when, when we left Hershey Park Arena to make the move to Giant Center. And that was tough on a lot of people back then. It's 20 years now, and I think everybody is – fit in just fine in the quote-unquote new digs compared to Hershey Park Arena. But at the time, that was tough on a lot of people. And I think it was said by a lot of folks in those first few years, this isn't home yet, and you needed a moment to make it home. And I think Portland in 06 went a long way for that. Uh, and having a first Calder Cup final in the building against Milwaukee. But I, I think 2010 is what really made it, okay, this is, this is the home of the Bears now. Uh, to be able to win one on home ice. And that just, I still remember Don Scott when he said one minute to go. I think it was actually louder with one minute to mm-hmm. go uh, than it uh, it was even at the end. There was almost just an exhale at the end that it had happened and they'd gone back to back. But 
uh, that that the, the volume in that building has not reached that level since that night. It's about time that uh, the Bears got back to that and and hung another banner. But uh, but that I think made it home that night for sure. Agreed. We're going to take a, a short ad break for a second, and we'll be back with John Walton right after this. And we're back here on the Grit and Barrett podcast with our very special guest, John Walton, voice of the Capitals, former voice of the Hershey Bears. And as we were talking about before we went to an ad break, there is a second call of yours that are, that has always stuck out in my mind. And this is very random, but these are just kind of like the moments that kind of get you into the game of hockey. I was driving home from FedEx one night when I was still working there. It was probably around quarter of 10. And I turned on Fox Sports 1460 at the time, who was still um, carrying the Bears games at that point. And hoping to listen to um, a show that night, the Bears were still on. And it must have gone into like a late shootout because it was like the eighth or ninth round. And I remember remember this because it was such a great line. Whoever came over the boards, you you said, somebody needs to score here. We got kids that got to be at school tomorrow. <laughs> and and to me, that was like, I looked at the clock, and it's like near 10 o'clock. I'm like, yeah, he's not wrong. And I don't remember who it was or when it was, but it's just always like those fun little calls that, that, that you hear, like, that come from like a late shootout or like a late overtime, like like in, in a hockey game. And uh, like four or five years later, I'd end up attending my first Bears game. I uh, thank you. I, I don't recall that specifically. Um, I know that I, you know, what I was saying before about injecting personality into it. I mean, I think those are the kinds of things I, I think if people have listened to me for a long time, I'm, I, I always have the attitude in the booth that, you know, with, with my partners, uh, you know, I was with Ed Coffee and in Hershey and, and others, um, and here with Ken Sabrin and Ben Raby and, and our crew. Uh, but, you know, if we're not having fun, I don't know that it's probably worth listening to because, you know, we're not just here to provide X's and O's. We're here to, you know, hopefully entertain you. And if we do that, you know, I think we do that by being ourselves and who we are. So if there's an opportunity for a, uh, you know, taking a little jab at my studio host and playful fun or, uh, you know, laughing with, uh, with my partner, we actually have chronicled all of those moments in a year. Our producer, Mike Callow here, uh, and this is a tradition we started a few years ago here now, uh, all the things that we mess up or laugh at or all the things that happen through the course of the year and the last intermission of the regular season, hopefully right before the playoffs, uh, we call it the blooper reel where all of the silly things <laughs> that we do through the course of the year, and they're not always flattering to any of us, but uh, they do get played back and we have a good laugh and, and hopefully everyone else does too. But I think that's the attitude that we try to bring to the show where you know, we're trying to be entertaining we're trying to be fun we respect the game we want to be able to tell you what's going on uh, but you know i think that's something through the course of you know for me from from miami university to cincinnati to hershey to here uh, you know i think that's something that i've always you know thought was a really important thing to do and it definitely uh comes through as someone who watches and listens to a, a ton of hockey on on my end um who who was uh, like your your 
mentor, someone you learned a lot from um, in your in your broadcasting career? I've been lucky that I've had a few. Uh, one of the, the greatest things about being the announcer in Hershey is that you almost by default end up with a really good relationship with Mike Emmerich. Uh, Uncle Doc. For five years himself when he was a broadcaster for the Flyers and always makes a point of coming through once a year. When he was calling the games in New Jersey, he would always stop in Hershey to see Doug Yingst and myself and others. So Doc has been invaluable to me. He was before I got to the NHL and even since I've been here, and I still hear from him quite a bit. Uh, Marty Brenneman in Cincinnati, I was the PA announcer for the Reds, and I got to sit next to him for seven years. So some of my irreverent attitudes in the booth <laughs> probably stemmed toward, uh, you know, look, this is, uh, you know, we, we'll zing a few people here and there, and we're here to have fun, and it's our little clubhouse. And I think no matter what's going on in our lives, I mean, everybody has issues, everybody's got things going on, everybody's got hardships. Uh, but I think the one lucky safe space that we have uh, in our uh, at our broadcast booth is that whatever's going on in your life that day, when you come in the booth, you leave it at the door and you're going to we're going to sit here and, you know, we're going to laugh and have fun. If you come in the booth 30 minutes before we go on, there's usually somebody laughing at somebody or somebody who's laughing about something. And, and that's. That helps me get ready for the game. I want everybody in a good frame of mind and a good mind space. And I, I think that we do that. So uh, all of those things, those, those two, Marty Brenneman was the best at that. So that's, that's where I learned that from. And uh, Ken Wilson, uh, who was the uh, first radio and then television for the St. Louis Blues. And Kenny's been, I think he's, he's probably been out of the league 20 years now, but he was very excitable in his goal calls. I'll occasionally mix in an old baby. That's an homage to him <laughs> uh, because that uh, his energy. I used to listen when we, uh, my family moved from Minnesota to Ohio uh, when I was in middle school and not having the North stars available to me. It's not like now you can watch the games on your phone or whatever. Moving doesn't mean you get cut off from your favorite team. Then yeah. it, it did. So I listened to a lot of blues games on KMOX because I could, and it would come in clear every night. And so I, I got he and Joe Micheletti, who I, I've got, actually gotten to do games with Joe Mick now a few <laughs> times for NBC, which is, you know, I, I think I made him feel old when I said I listened to him as a kid on KMOX, but that's okay. <laughs> but those are, I, I think, and, and there are so many good guys in this league. I mean, Kenny Albert is such a, a great guy to work with, and I, I've gotten to do a couple of Olympics with him. Uh, you know, there's just, there, there, you learn something from people still every day. At least I try to. And, uh, that's, I think something that's, you know, I've really enjoyed maybe the most in my career. I mean, the, the players are great players kind of come and go a little bit. Um, you know, Alex Ovechkin's meant the world of my career. That's, there's no question about that. Uh, but it's the broadcasters that are kind of there in year in and year out as the players change, those guys generally stay the same at this level. And, and a lot of them have become really good friends and people you learn from. Agreed. I mean, it's about um, us, the listener, forming a connection with whoever your play-by-play -play is, and no matter what sport it is. Um, but I especially feel like in uh, in baseball and in hockey, it feels like you have to tell a story whenever you're calling a game because you're constantly talking. It's not like in football where you have breaks in the action, where you can have a little bit more commentary. It, it's very fluent. It's very moving, and you have to again, make that connection with the listener. And I, I feel like you've learned from a lot of great names there 
you know, like you said, U- Uncle Doc is perhaps one of the best examples to uh, to go through, and someone who's been the voice of my fandom, uh, calling so many great moments. So, um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll get you out of here um, on this. Thank you so much for your time. Um, we'll bring it down just like a little bit because I've asked a lot of people of this. Um, h- how did you get through the pandemic yourself, like the very early scary stages of it before the bubble hockey tournament started up? Like, like how was like how did you handle it? That's a really great question, Rich. <laughs> I, that was. Uh... I was in Buffalo uh, at the end of a road trip. Uh, it was a three-game trip. They've, the Caps were not playing especially well. Uh, they had given up five goals to Mika's advantage out of New York and lost in overtime. Beat Pittsburgh, but then went to Buffalo and lost. And uh, it was not a not a great scene. And we were coming home to see Detroit. And, you know, we had heard about what was going on. And people were starting to think about, hey, maybe we should have masks on. I don't know. But it was when the game shut down and you realize how fragile your existence can be. I mean, we, I never would have dreamed in Hershey or Washington, I never would have dreamed that we would have been doing games remotely. I didn't even really ever stop to think if it was possible to do it remotely. And now I've done it between Olympics, NBC and Caps. I've done it over 150 times. And to be home in April and May and waiting uh, I think mentally was really tough to, uh, for players and, and traveling staff and everybody. But uh, but for us specifically, it felt like, you know, everything we knew was taken away from us. And then we picked up in Toronto where the caps were done pretty quick. But uh, that was our first experience doing games remotely. We did them from an empty Capital One arena. It was dark. We were in the TV booth. Uh, TV did it uh, from Bethesda and their studio, and we did it from the TV booth at the arena. Wow. And then we ended up doing it from the the whole next season. We ended up doing it from home uh, on the suite level at Capital One Arena. Last year, the first half of the year, we actually wired our houses. So actually, I, I called games here from home. Wow. Uh, and my partner was at his house, and we did it that way. And only in the second half of the season this year, we started traveling again, and we traveled normally uh, in March, April playoffs and, and got back to it, but we appreciate it a lot more than we used to. And it was difficult. Uh, you know, I mean, for anybody where, you know, it's the isolation is difficult on everybody and, you know, we're no different. Uh, you know, it, it was in a snap of the fingers. It felt like, oh, it's going to be a week or two. And then once you realized it wasn't and hockey wasn't starting up anytime soon, then, you know, you really wondered where, where it was going to take you. Thankfully it's gotten back to normal. I will never take that for granted <laughs> again. Uh, that was, uh, it's been a difficult, uh, I, this, I hope this season upcoming for us will be the first normal season we've had since 1819. Uh, cause there's been a wrinkle in either we start late or we do it from home or it was cut off. I mean, it's always, it's always been something, but, uh, here's hoping for all of us, not just for hockey that, uh, worst of that's behind us. I, I, I can be an optimist, a blind optimist at times. Like I honestly believe that it will. Um, because we had uh, the Bears had their first teddy bear toss this past year back in January for the first time in three in three years. Um, it was a packed house. Over fifty thousand bears were thrown or stuffed animals, bear stuffed animals, you named it, was thrown on. And that's when me and my friends we all looked at each other and we were like, "We're back. This feels much more like home." Um, when we when we were all cele- celebrating 
themselves. So on a bit more of an up up note, um, you know, did you ever bring your own teddy bears to teddy bear toss night and try to throw them from the booth to the ice? I did. I got it to the ice once. I found that if you used a little bit of duct tape to make it a little more aerodynamic, <laughs> Braden Holtby was in goal, and I put it right at his skates from the booth. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think my arm has that in it anymore. But uh, I did manage to get it to the ice once. A couple other times, I probably hit somebody in the back of the head in a 100 level. But, <laughs> uh, but I did give it a shot multiple years. Well, it's, you know, I, I've done it from 217 and I've, you know, when you're at 100 level, that's just what you expect from such a great event. So, John, I thank you very much from a, from a Bears super fan myself. I'm very thankful that you came onto the show and gave us some time. And, um, you know, you're always welcome here in Hershey and there are a lot of Bears fans who really enjoyed hearing your voice today. Thank you very much. Well, Rich, thanks for having me. And uh, just to end, uh, my son Jack does a little bit with chocolate hockey these days. So he is actually, there's still a Walton in the broadcast booth, uh, or at least the press box part of it, uh, at the main level there uh, in the press area. So uh, hopefully I will get back to a game here sometime next season now that things are starting to get back to normal. But thanks for having me, Rich, and uh, good luck to the Bears. Let's get another banner hung up. Let's let's put a 12th up there at Giant Center. Agreed. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Grits and Barrett podcast. John, thank you very much, and we'll catch you next time. And that'll do it for the Grits and Barrett podcast this week. Thank you to John Walton to coming on as well. One of my best and biggest guests or guests of the podcast yet. And thank you to all of you for your times, listens, and downloads as usual as you've been listening to this episode of the Grit and Barrett podcast. Please follow along on all of the socials at Grit and Barrett P1. That's B E A R I T P1 on Twitter as well. Make sure you check. Check out the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network where there is a whole bunch of podcasts for all the different sports that are out there. This podcast is dedicated to the memory of Patricia Blosser, who lost her life to dementia and COVID on December 5th, 2020. This podcast is also dedicated to all of the Hershey Bears friends, family who have been affected by cancer. Thank you to your for downloading this episode of the Grit and Barrett podcast, and go Bears. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.